You could just do it shirtless. That wouldn't be awkward at all. <laughs> the Poor Me America podcast with Kurt and Dylan's nipples. Nice. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Formula America podcast with your host, Kurt and Dylan. And this is the Bahrain GP edition, our first and the first race recap of the season. We've been waiting for this one for a long time. And what a race, too. What do you feel about the race? Or how do you feel about that, Dylan? Dude, what a race. It was kind of your classic, like, no safety car, no crazy crashes. But, like, the beginning of the race was awesome. Tons of craziness. And then it kind of settled into the rhythm of the race. And then, like, the last 15 laps ramps right back up again to craziness. And Yeah. Afterwards, I was thinking, I was like, that was a really good race. And then I was like, was it? It's like it, it doesn't stand up next to like some of the classics from last no. year, like Coda, Silverstone, Brazil. But it's been so long, and it was actually a decently entertaining race. Like you said, it kind of settled into a rhythm at some point, but it was good, man. And I, I will say, I thought it was all over on the first lap. This whole like yeah. Fernando Alonso like hype train and all. I was like classic Lance Stroll, just about to just end it <laughs> right here. Just lap one. What an idiot. <laughs> like everyone's like, Oh man, here it is. I was actually texting a buddy of mine and I called it because at first, uh, I was like, uh, he was like, what's your prediction? And I was like, it's going to be, uh, Max Checo Leclerc. Like five minutes later, I was like, no, I'm changing it. It's going to be Max Checo Alonzo. <laughs> he was like, that's crazy. And then first lap, Lance Stroll straight into the back of Alonzo. You're just like, are you fucking uh, kidding me? Uh, after everything, I just said that you're not that bad of a driver. And you're here you go, proving me wrong. <laughs> it's funny because like, you don't like his dad's face, and I could care less. Every time I see a picture of Lance Stroll, I hate his face. He looks like the <laughs> stupidest. I just I hate him. Uh, <laughs> He's the worst. Man, I, I couldn't believe that. If that would have been the end of the saga of the story, it would have been like, I'm done. I'm turning the TV off at this point. I want to know what Fernando said in the background off oh, camera af after the race, after he got the podium. I'm sure he's pretty happy, but he was like, dude. Right. How I can't, stupid I, are you? <laughs> I can't believe with how like politically correct uh, Fernando has been since he's gotten to Aston Martin when it comes to Lance. Like yes. a, you see, after the race, he's like praising him for being such a good teammate and like yes. all his posts and everything. It's like, what's going on in the background? I, how, you're being such a good boy, Fernando. I want to see when the wheels fall. Which is not your off. mo in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> <laughs> Even in Drive to oh, Survive, Orlando's like, "I'm the bad guy." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I <laughs> embraces being the antihero. Does he's, you got, he? You uh, have to have a villain. You do, and he loves it. And the way he like left to go to Aston Martin, he like just kind of chuckled and was like, "I'm yeah. going to Aston. I don't really <laughs> care what Alpine thinks." What what a smart move! Now looking back at oh, it, oh man. Because at first, everybody's like, why would you leave Alpine, who's yes. up and coming, and you're going to Aston Martin? And now look who's got the last left. Well, I wonder for now, how it's much, the first race, so. Yeah, first race. But I wonder how much of it is also, um, like, personality between Otmar. And, like, you can see it in the Drive to Survive. He's so almost overly chill. He's like that boss that wants to be your friend. Yeah, and yeah. Everything's okay, and it's like kind of it's kind of weird. I don't know how well I would work under something like that, and then go into like a Lawrence, and a, it cracks me up that the Aston team principal's last name is Crack. But <laughs> yeah, Mike, I, I'm, immature. Mike I'm sorry, Mike Crack. Mike Crack. <laughs> <laughs> 
I saw a meme. It was like that old song. It was like my neck, my back, <laughs> my, <laughs> my and mic crack. <laughs> but I can see there being like an appeal if both teams are relatively up and coming, and you're looking at the leadership of the team. I would personally pick Aston Martin every day yeah. of the week over Alpine. Um, so maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe maybe Alonso saw something in that car. I mean, and it's awesome because Alonso's such a good racer. Um, he he's just every time, even when he was in that terrible Alpine, yeah, like holding off Lewis uh, Hamilton in the best Mercedes ever in 2021. Like watching Orlando fight is, or, I keep saying Orlando, <laughs> Orlando. Alonso, Alonso fight is just awesome. And then having him in a car that can compete, and we already got some of it, right? Like he went up against Lewis, and what awesome racing that, that was, was cool. for two whole laps of just. You know, and you could tell, I think both of them were enjoying the crap out of it. Yeah, dude. This guy is, it's so much fun to watch him this year. Yes. I don't think that's going to be the last podium either. The question becomes is can they keep development up? I think it's interesting. Um, a lot of the, like you watch the driver's interviews, driver interviews post-race, and like both George and Lewis were like, we're clearly the P4 team. We're the fourth fastest on the grid. Um I think it's interesting because Alonzo and most of Aston is like, hey, we're P2 today. We'll yeah. see where this goes. And Ferrari's just over there with, you know, another engine fire um, <laughs> or dumpster fire or however you want to look at it. Uh, oh, my God. But the Ferraris look good, man. They look fast. They were clearly not anywhere as fast as the Red Bull. Absolute yeah. domination. Um but Ferrari looked good. They looked like a solid P2 contender. Um, yeah, and going into this, they were both, like Charles Leclerc, um, he had multiple interviews where he was like, yeah, I don't think we're going to be fighting for podiums or you know any, anywhere fighting up there. And then qualifying, they come out and they're putting in good lap times. So. Yeah. But, I mean, th- we had the same thing with Ferrari last year. Ferrari had a fast car, but their strategy was complete shit and their reliability was the same, you know? Yep. And that was, and you know, they had to turn the engines down last year to make them last longer. Um, I mean, after this first race, they're going to be considered doing the same. Um, You know, it's interesting during quali, um, they knew they couldn't compete with a Red Bull front row lockout. So instead of um, throwing a brand new set of softs on there and going out, they saved their softs and didn't go out again, which was, hey, at least they're showing some form of strategy. Right, Um, yeah. And it worked out for him. I mean, on you know, lap one, lights out. Perez has a horrendous start. And uh, Leclerc gets in front of him. And hell, Sainz got in front of him too, but it was three cars wide through the first turn, and Sainz just couldn't, you know, get past him. But he was in front of him for a second. Like, Perez's start was that bad, but that Ferrari was fast, and Max was waving bye-bye. I know. Driving off into the distance. Dude, I, I couldn't believe Perez got such a crappy start, it man. It's just like, was it, it's like he wasn't even watching. And then, yeah, yeah, once Max gets out, even Perez was like, you know, once you lose, once Max gets out that far ahead, there's nothing we can do. I, I don't know, even if Max didn't get that far ahead and Perez got a good start, there's nothing Perez is going to be able to do. There's nobody yeah. on that grid that can go toe-to-toe with Max Verstappen in that Red Bull. You know, your only hope is to get in front of him and try to hold him off. Yeah. Um, but other than that, if he starts the race, if he hits turn one in first place, it's it's a wash at that point. Yeah, it's out, it's off to the races then. Um, but I think that also like goes continues our point that we've got a lot of flack for. So I'm going to keep bringing it up um, <laughs> about whether Checo is the right man for that seat. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, it's just, it's kind of, so let's not, because there's a lot of emotion around the whole Checo thing. Is Carlos signs the right man to be in number two for Ferrari? How far back was he from Leclerc, right up until Leclerc's, you know, car caught on fire? I, I think he was like 10 seconds back from where Yeah, I, I mean, he was a ways back there. Um, he was barely, you know, Lewis Hamilton was catching him in a car that is clearly slower than the Ferrari. Right. Um, this is... Uh, Carlos's second year in that or third year in that Ferrari, he's had two full years of it. Like, you don't get to say, I'm still getting used to the car at this point. Like, you right. need so is Carlos, the, you know, he's clearly the number two in the back. And if Checo's doing the same thing, like, it shouldn't be so such a big driver's difference. Like, you look right, at Mercedes, yeah. George or Lewis in front could go either way. Both are, I mean, I think Lewis is still clearly a much better driver, but. George is a hell of a driver. He's not there just sure. to pick up second. He's able to, you know, compete still. And I just, Checo's there to ward off Leclerc until his engine blows up. <laughs> I, I was uh, thinking about one thing when Leclerc went out with that, uh, the issue with the car. Mm -hmm. And that's, if Ferrari's not careful, Carlos Sainz could very well find himself being the number one driver at Ferrari. Yes. Because Charles Leclerc is, I'm sure, like right now, he's he's had enough. He's had it, right? He's had multiple years of this going on. And if he's not looking for another drive, right? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if both Car uh, Charles Leclerc and Lando Norris are getting blown up by other team principals from the likes of Red Bull, Aston Martin, perhaps, any of, like, new teams coming in. They're probably blowing them up right now, trying well, to. Well, I mean, get them in to drive to Sur drive to survive, they were, you know, when um, they're when the whole like driver lineup was getting swapped around during the summer break, and they were interviewing all the, or they weren't interviewing the principals, they were just like overhearing them. Lando's mm -hmm. name was in every single one of those. Like we could go for Lando. I mean, that tells me that it is clear he is available. Yep. And is they both of those guys have to be so completely frustrated because they're yeah. such wasted talents right now. You know, Charlotte Claire gets that little taste all the time. He gets that taste and then it gets ripped out from under him. Lando's just floundering at the back this year, just not even you know, you saw when he finally got lapped and he's sitting there behind Lewis and all them, like that's how it should be, because he was actually keeping pace with them at that point. Yeah. Um, but that's how it should be. He shouldn't be a lap down doing that. He should be fighting for one of the top spots. So Yeah, yeah I, I mean, even the commentators are talking about him, how awesome Lando is and how Lando does what Lando Lando does Lando things. I mean, gets that car all the way up into Q three, like and that car's hot garbage. Yep. Um it was impressive. So you know, so, you know, we start the race, Prez terrible, Leclerc's on new softs, he gets ahead, um, you know, Lance Stroll, all I wrote down was Stroll sucks as he <laughs> crashed in the back of Fernando. Classic Stroll. Um, you know, PH tree. so let's, let's talk about the rookies. So all five, mm -hmm. of, or all three of the rookies are in the bottom five, but Logan Sargent is the fastest rookie <laughs> who tied dead even to the thousands Lando Norris's McLaren. But Lando yes. said it first. So Logan Sargent could have been in Q2 in a Williams. Yes. Um, you know, race gets going and PA Street looks pretty good, actually. He's, you know, moving up a little bit, but so is Logan Sargent. It's like, oh man, Nick DeVries and Alpha Tauri and Yuki Sonoda are floundering in the back uh, you know at least we got one prediction right um, <laughs> and then ph3 on lap 15 has what appears to be a steering wheel issue 
comes into the pit. They swap the steering wheel. And then from like the overhead film footage, you can see the steering wheels doing like the Windows startup. The boot screen. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, ooh, I don't think it's supposed to do that. God, come on. <laughs> and then he gets his, it, his steering wheel basically did what your computer did two podcasts ago. Yeah. Just hard reset <laughs> right in the <laughs> <Mid> middle. <race. laughs> um. Meanwhile, Ocon is just in the back getting whipped by the stewards <laughs> and penalties. <laughs> it was like, uh, uh, Ocon's got a penalty. It's like, oh, that sucks. Ocon's got another penalty for not serving his penalty correctly. Oh, that sucks. Ocon Ocon's got, got, another got another penalty. <laughs> Four penalties oh for a grand God. total of 20 seconds. And so I watched a video <laughs> from uh, Sam Collins this morning that broke it down. So the first penalty was because Ocon lined up outside of the starting box. Your front mm -hmm. tires have to be in front of the box. He was clearly outside of the box. Like he even zoomed in on it. Like Ocon lined up on the starting grid wrong. So we got a five second penalty for that. So he comes in because he has the nose damage. And you're not allowed to touch the car in any way, shape, or form until all five seconds are served. One, so all of the mechanics like came in to grab and change the nose out and they were hovering and one of the mechanics touched like leaned too close and touched a <laughs> bolt 4.6 <laughs> seconds into waiting. So 0.4 oh. of a second, he got hit with the 10 second penalty. So he comes back around and he gets caught speeding in the pit lane <laughs> by 0.1 KPH. <laughs> Which also resulted in a fine of a hundred pounds. Oh my god! That's that for so all ridiculous. of us Americans. It's or like euros. It's it's, it's like one hundred twenty bucks. Yeah, it's so ridiculous. And so he got hit with another penalty for that. Jeez. He wasn't the only one. Also, Gasly got the same hundred pound, hundred euro fine on uh, yep. Quali Day. And it's just like these guys are making millions of, of dollars a year, and you're going to hit them with a hundred dollar, a hundred pound euro whatever they use over there six pence yes. 100 pence fine quids yeah um but yeah so i mean the at, at like lap 15 we start getting pit stops like everything is kind of settling into the race except i look up and botas is in p6 after his pit <laughs> stop he was legitimately like it wasn't that he hadn't pitted or anything like he was same pit stop as everyone else sitting in p6 it was like oh <laughs> where did you come even the commentators right. uh, were like whoa how did botas get up there completely out of nowhere seemed like um and then yeah we just kind of you know red bull took a interesting uh pit stop chat i think everyone except for ocon and mclaren did basically soft hard hard um and red bull did soft soft hard and so mm -hmm. and they basically double stacked and threw softs on both cars which is totally interesting i was watching a thing on that this morning and um, they said essentially they're trying to cover off a safety car midway through. They're worried about being on a set of hards. Safety car happens. Leclerc comes out on a set of softs. They get all bunched up. Leclerc is going to get in front. So they thought that they could run two cents of softs, get enough of a gap where if there was a safety car, they'd be okay. That's um, smart. You know, then, one, one part that I found interesting about the uh, Perez's pit stop is you mm -hmm. remember the car kept slipping off of the jack. Yes. Um, especially like the front, the nose jack. But it's crazy to me that the pit stops are so fast that even while it's slipping off of the jack, they were still able to change the tires before it hit the ground. Yeah. And so it's like, it was just impressive to see like how quick those pit stops truly are. 
yeah, it's insanity. Um, and interesting, like just to hear the thought process on their tires and and all that good stuff. I mean, the the Red Bull look just absolutely untouchable um, for sure. Yeah. And so, oh, that was the other thing I was going to say. So the hard tire that they use for this race, the C1, is the new tire. So they now, oh, okay. the Pirelli lineup used to be C1 to C5, C1 being the hardest. They now have a C0, which was last year's C1, and they did an in-between C1 and C2, which is like a brand-new tire compound. Um, that was supposed to, like, basically not degrade due, due to heat. Um, it just wasn't supposed to perform as well. So basically you get like a very similar level of performance. It doesn't really matter how hot the tire gets or how much deg it has. Um, but you're just not getting as much performance out of it, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And then kind of business as usual. And then we get to lap 37 and it's Alonzo V Hamilton. That was awesome. That was so, so cool to see. Just sitting there watching the the interval click, uh, tick down, tick down. You're like, he's catching him. This yes. is going to be good. Like, you knew that was awesome. You got two guys, the oldest two guys on the track, 41, 37 years old, nine world titles between the two. Like, this is what you want to see. Yes. And it, and it did not it did disappoint. It did not disappoint. <laughs> it, they almost, I thought, what was that? The, the first time, um, I think Alonzo also thought that Lewis was going to come into him because you saw he yeah. kind of like whipped out. And then it's like, reeling him back in here we go again man that was such an exciting battle yeah and i mean i thought it was they talked about it a lot more on the alonzo versus signs you could just see it more clearly um i think a lot i think everyone was surprised at the arrow package on that aston how well it could turn and how much traction it had you saw when uh on the hamilton battle but more so on the signs battle like alonzo would all of a sudden jerk and the car like went Mm -hmm. I don't. I think he was expecting it to slide a little bit. I don't think he was expecting it to be so planted on the ground that when he turned, it would turn that well. And he almost took signs out. You saw it with Hamilton. Like they're like, "Oh man, Alonso looks jerky." And I was like, "I don't think it's that he's jerky. I think that the car is that well planted <laughs> that has that much traction that he's used to having to kind of overcorrect because she's going to slide a little bit. It's going to understeer a little bit. And no, the car just went. And I think yeah. it was catching even Fernando Alonso. You could guard. see that very clearly on the, like you said, I think it was turn one going in on uh, signs where they show the aerial view and you yes. just see that car just like shoots forward, almost takes signs out. But yeah, that was, yeah. That was wild. And the other crazy part is you've got um, an Aston Martin that is running a Mercedes engine that is clearly outperforming the Mercedes. Granted, it's kind of almost like a Red Bull clone, so it's like a hybrid Red Bull Mercedes yeah. right there. I guess the best of both worlds at that point, and it's so much faster than that actual works Mercedes car. It's incredible. Yeah, it's insane, and they just did such a good job with the aero package on that. I hope they can keep the development up because that car might be something that might compete with Red Bull, especially, I mean, because... Yep. Mercedes is synonymous with reliability. Like they don't have engine issues. Um, they don't really have many issues at all. I mean, the fact that during testing on the second day, they're like, Oh my gosh, George Russell set out for the second half of P2 of the, yeah. you know, of the session because they had a hydraulic issue. This is Mercedes. That doesn't <laughs> happen. Like, so you put, I mean, a great aero package and, and get that car up there. It's going to be reliable. Um, 
so and then Leclerc goes out, right? So speaking of reliability, engine failure, like the the engine just stopped. You, know, you got to just be like, oh no. What was that fifteen seconds or fifteen minutes you cut out? Uh oh. What was the last thing you heard? You said it's going to be reliable, and then you said so- it's going to be reliable. So, and then speaking on that, not re- let's talk about not reliable because right afterwards, <laughs> Leclerc pulls over because his engine died. Jeez, did they Total- ever say what that was? No. Engine <laughs> failure, something though, because like you go to the overhead cam, the engine just shuts off. Yeah. You could just see as soon as they cut to that clip and you see the Ferrari pull to the side going slow, you're like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Classic Ferrari. Like, come on. Charles Leclerc, like, he's got to be so frustrated and he's upset. I love the uh, video or the shot they took of uh, Piero Ferrari, the vice president of Ferrari. And you could just see anger. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, for sure. I would be too. It, yeah, that's got to be so frustrating. So. Um, that Aston looks good. Ferrari. Oh, Mercedes. So there's been a ton of talk on Mercedes and, and Alonzo said something as well that I'm going to link together. Cause I thought it was really cool in a, in a, uh, speech or not a speech, an interview before, like during qualifying or in between the practices, Alonzo said one of the huge reason he picked Alf or Aston Martin was a lot of the other teams were shooting for P4. They wanted to be the best of the rest. There was no conversation of competing with Red Bull. And he said that really, really frustrated him. Um, and you can see that in McLaren, in Alpine, in a lot of those where they're talking a big game, but they kind of feel like they're just shooting for the best of the rest. Like they know they can't compete at that right. top three. Um, and I thought it was interesting yesterday with Toto interview after the race he said we're not trying to get a three-tenths improvement out of this car we need so much more to compete with red bull i think mercedes is going to bring a more conventional probably red bull style car to the grid Mm -hmm. soon yeah yeah there's a lot of speculation actually i I think they already said that they will in a few races they're going to have a new package coming out but just on to what you're saying like that's that championship mentality like that's that mindset you know like Fernando Alonso, he's a champion. He's a fierce competitor. So why would you want to settle for a team that is only going to shoot for fourth place, right? You want to go to a championship winning team. He wants another championship. He wants to at least get on the podium, which he did now. He wants to be on that top step on the podium. So why would he shoot for a team that's only going to get fourth place and maybe get a podium once, you know, every blue moon? Yeah. So I definitely, I, I respect that. And I think a lot of the other teams need to start adopting that mentality because I mean you're like nobody wants to be best of the rest. Like you no. want to be the best. That's your if you're in Formula One, you should be striving to be a champion eventually, you know? And yeah, I think Aston should... Martin has done a great job of laying out that plan, you know, spearheaded by Lawrence Stroll, laying out that plan and they're actually making headway and they're proving that they're serious and he's putting his money where his mouth is. And doing it. Like yeah, doing it for well. Sure. I mean, that's a competitive car. If they can keep the development up, which all things point to they should be able to, we might have an interesting shakeup here because the only thing that um is going through my mind and concerns me is what if like some scandal comes out, like you hear about how the Ferrari had that unknown like engine, you know, violation before and then they had to turn that down and they're a complete dog shit for a couple of years. Like, what if something like that comes out where, like, you know, performance-enhancing drugs on that level with the, <laughs> with the car, you know? 
Like, I they mean, you completely... know it's absolutely happening. It's just, can you hide it well enough? Exactly. Yeah, right? <laughs> if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's exactly right. Hey, Robin's um... raising Harry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah, it, it would be that'd be pretty crazy. But man, the shakeup is real. I'm excited to see what Mercedes does because I don't I don't expect them to uh, be sitting in the sidelines for long. I mean, I'm, I'm I will say I'm surprised based on the last couple of races of last year how competitive that Mercedes was. Seems to be. I don't know if everyone else took a step forward and they didn't, or if they took a slight step back, but it's definitely not as competitive as it was last year at the end, at of, the the end of the year. Yeah, for sure. So. Yeah. It's one of those things like, you know, we talked about before where I think you were the one saying that they had stuck with the zero pod idea and concept, because if they changed that up, they would have to completely redevelop the car. Cause everything in that car was designed around that aero package. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, I think they tried to make it work, but it's interesting to see now that you're at race one, even before the race even started, and they're already throwing up their hands. Lewis had that interview where he basically said, this package is not going to work. Yep. Um, I think Toto had the interview where he said that they already plan on changing it up. Um, but it, it's crazy to see that they went through the entire off season and they're like, all right, we got to stick with this, stick with this. And then finally they get to testing and they're like, nope, we're done. We can't keep doing this. Yeah. Um, so I'm I'm anxious and I'm interested to see what this new package looks like. Like you said, probably you know somewhere along the lines of Red Bull. Um, but how much of an effect is that going to have? Like, are they going to come out the gates like firing as soon as that happens, or is it going to take a while? I'm sure they're going to have to do a lot more like testing, you know, practice sessions, even in the race, getting data and you know upgrading upgrading slowly. So we'll see what happens. Absolutely, with that. but I guess it, to play devil's advocate there, like you know, everything's a marathon and this is a marathon over years. Like we're not having a crazy regulation change till 2026. So do you sacrifice mm -hmm. a season where you're looking at P4 to probably redevelop and end up P4 anyway, to probably mm -hmm. next year, year after that, be capable of competing at for P1, hopefully, right? Like I wouldn't put Mercedes down to yeah. not be competing at P1. So, I mean, if you look at the distance that you need to go with this package and you see the cannon style cars of Red Bull, of Aston Martin, of freaking Williams, we're going to talk about Williams in a yeah. second. Yeah. Um, you see how well that package is working. It'd be pretty hard not to be like, hey, we should yeah, probably be for switching. sure. Yeah, not, not a, a bad move on their end. And, I mean, kind of kudos to them for at least admitting defeat. Like, hey, we tried something and it didn't work. So, yeah. Um, Williams, P10, P12. How points, exciting. <laughs> points on their first race of the season. And that car looked quick. Yeah. It looked that good. That was awesome. Um, I'm like happily proven wrong so far that Williams isn't, you know, P10 of a constructor. You know, that looks like currently Mercedes and Haas. Yep. You got uh, Logan Sargent, man. Not Mercedes, I'm sorry, and Haas. Logan Sargent, P12. He did awesome. Several overtakes. I think he had three or four overtakes. Um, yeah, I was impressed. He, he beat good. out Logan Sargent, beat out DeVries, Hulkenberg, <laughs> Piastri. <laughs> yeah. That was awesome to see. K Mag, too. Yep. He, yep. Yeah, best of the, of the rookies. Yeah, he crushed it. I was super impressed with how well Hulkenberg did. Um, Zhou Guan Yu. I'm not sure what was so. 
So let's talk about some of the the outliers. I even kind of wrote down my 10 constructors, and it's, you know, right now I have it sitting at Red Bull, Aston, Ferrari, Merck for top four. Bottom three, I have McLaren, Haas, and Alpha Tauri. But we have Williams, Alpha Romeo, and Alpine sitting in, like, unknown midfield land, mm-hmm. right? Because you look at Alpine and you look at Ocon getting beaten to death <laughs> by penalties with the DNF. But then you go look at Pierre Gasly. He came out P9 and he started P20. Right, yeah. That's huge. That's a Pierre ton. Gasly had a huge race. Yes. You don't hear a lot about that because he only ended P9, but, like, he had the most overtakes. Like, what a race. Mm-hmm. Um, you look at Williams, P10, P12. I mean, that's really solid for both of them. You look at Alfa Romeo, you have Valtteri Bottas, mullet gloriously flowing <laughs> in P8. But yep. then you got Zhou Guan Yu sitting down in uh, 16th. Yeah. A so lap down. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't really place the middle three right now, I'm, I'm kind of feeling Williams is probably going to be the bottom of those three. Just historically, they've taken a huge mm-hmm. step forward, but I don't know if it's, I don't know if they have the driver package to compare all things equal to Botas and even potentially Gasly, but um, right. But even having them in the conversation of a midfield team yes. is a huge increase from where they've been in the past recent history, basically huge. Um, but yeah, I'm, I don't know. I still don't have an opinion on Alpine and Alfa Romeo. I know they're midfield, but how midfield, how fast? I mean, it's still a little bit all over the place. Did they even say why, uh, they retired Ocon or was it just because he had so many penalties and they just wanted to save the car? Yeah, pretty much. That's what they said. <laughs> save the power unit. They're like, this is uh, ridiculous. <laughs> why um, are we even here? You know, there's two sides to that, though. They kept uh, Norris out there. He had quite a few pit stops mm-hmm. where, like, six, they just basically... Six to be exact. Six pit stops, yeah. I couldn't remember what the number was, but they were basically just continuing um, testing. I mean, you're going to test it live. Everyone else was at their fastest, like, hey, tweak some things, change some things, come in for a pit. We're not getting any points, but, hey, we can get another hour of testing in. They they need to. Like I yeah. texted you yesterday, it was a complete McLaren choke show. And like they need to test and do as much as they can to get that car where it needs to be to put them back up in the midfield. Because this is abysmal, what, what we saw yesterday out of McLaren. Yeah, could not be any worse. I mean, we knew they were going to be bad. That was real bad. And then Haas, who I was talking up for testing how good they looked, were horrible. <laughs> yeah, they... Did not do very well. Like it was a few laps into it, and both of the Haas cars found themselves down in, towards the back of the pack. Yeah, Hulkenberg t- took the end plate off of his uh, front wing and had to come in for a front wing swap out. And I mean, not a good showing from Haas. I I would not have. I can't wait for Drive to Survive to see Gunther go. I have to go call Gene. Yeah, I have to call Gene. You know, maybe if they had more people on the pit wall. <laughs> that pit wall is so small. Every time the helicopter flies over it, and there's Haas. Oh, man. Um, what a good first race, though. And, I mean, it probably wasn't all that entertaining for new watchers, but for, like, the strategeries and the <laughs> shakeups and, uh, you know, all of that, uh, I enjoyed the crap out of it, just seeing it where everyone ended up. I have I have seen a lot of um, posts on different like Formula One forums or Facebook groups and stuff, and people are like, "Oh, here comes another boring season with Max just out in front." 
And like, yeah, that's going to happen, right? But that's not where the race is at. Like no. Max, they didn't show Max barely at all, and it didn't matter. There was a lot of other action going on. Like, yeah, so what? They're going to win. But look at everything else that's happening, you know? Yeah. There's such a shakeup. Like the fights between Alonzo and Hamilton, I'm so excited for more of those. Oh, I can't wait. I know, man. I'm so excited for the next Ferrari to catch on fire. It's going to happen. <laughs> I'm calling it. Um, all right. So heroes and zeros, Kurt. This is this yes. is your section you wanted to do. So you start us off. Sweet. So every GP race, we're going to do a section at the end called heroes and zeros. So we're going to do our top three and our bottom three from the race. Um, and this is going to be not just drivers. It could be drivers. It could be constructors. It could be team principals. Hell, it could be, you know, Roscoe, Lewis Hamilton's dog, if he impacts the race somehow. Um, so heroes and zeros. I'm going to start off. We'll start off with zeros, and then we'll do our heroes, right? So my zeros for the race, for the Bahrain GP, are going to be McLaren, Ocon, and my third zero is going to be Ferrari. Um, and so for McLaren, like we said, this was absolutely abysmal. It was a terrible performance. You had Piastri out on lap 15. Um, you had Norris, who he, from all accounts, had some sort of hydraulic or pneumatic issue. Um, so he kept having to come in for that. And then it just turned into a test session for them because there's no point in trying anything else. Um, so that was a clear zero for me. Um, Ocon, I mean, the penalties, even the ones that, you know, the mechanic penalty wasn't, wasn't necessarily his fault, but he was still having to serve that penalty for something that he did. And then just, you know, penalty after penalty, like Ocon was just not good. Um, and then Ferrari, like, come on, man, Ferrari with the, uh, what's his, uh, I'm so flustered (laughs) Ferrari with, uh, Leclerc's car going out with whatever that issue was. Um, then you had Carlos Sainz who just not on the pace, you know, like he was, he was still there, but he wasn't on the pace. He was able to hold off Hamilton at the end, which I was hoping for a better, you know, battle there. Um, just seemed like Hamilton just maybe his tires ran out when he was trying to catch up to him. Um, but Ferrari for me, man, they just back to doing Ferrari things and it's just unacceptable. Yeah, man, what about I, you? I would, we should maybe coordinate this cause I have the exact same losers here at zeros McLaren. For all the reasons you said, Ocon. For all the reasons, I, I mean, if I was Alpine and Ocon, I think I'd be contesting a little bit. Like another five second penalty for point one kph over the you know pit lane or the pit lane speed limit. I mean, how many cars do you watch lock it up? Yeah. Huge plume of smoke all the way through that like line, and, and they don't get penalized. I think the stewards are kind of. I don't know if they were trying to make a point. Or what? They made a point though. Like they did. Hey, don't um, don't break the rule. The rules, the rule. The rules, the rules. They weren't messing around. And then yeah, Ferrari uh, for all the reasons. Um, it almost looks like I had a lot of hope. You watch Fred Vasseur and a mm-hmm. lot of you know what the rhetoric coming out of Ferrari has been. Um, they looked great in testing. You have a great driver lineup. I mean, they should, for all intents and purposes, be up there competing. And then you have an engine failure. You know, which this happened to Red Bull last year. True, it did. Right, they did. The double they DNF. fixed it right out of the gate. Um, but it just looks like a continuation. It, I mean, it's like the, the the issue with Ferrari is now it's becoming an ongoing issue, like to the point where it's, it's a complete ongoing joke. Um, yeah. 
And so, I mean, they need to fix that. Anytime they have any small issue, it's going to ha- have a spotlight on it because of their past. Yeah. So they need to get a handle on that. Yeah, it, it was... They were clear losers, and I still, like, kind of the Checo signs argument, I was not impressed with signs. He was way off the pace of Leclerc. He was getting yeah. ran down by Lewis Hamilton, and, you know, Lewis basically said afterward, you know, Lewis was ecstatic with how they finished, but he was just like, I didn't have the car, you know, to pass signs. It wasn't that, oh, signs was quick, or, sign, you know, it was just like, man, I could, if I had a little more car, signs would have been mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talked about how much, uh, downforce they took out of that Mercedes and, and Lewis was just like, you know, I couldn't turn. I had so much understeer cause we had taken so much downforce out of it. Yeah. Um, but you know, that's not what you want to hear if you're Carlos signs and arguably probably the second fastest car on the track. Um, you're getting ran down by a Mercedes, which is clearly a number four on the track. Like right. that's not a good Gotta step it up. Not good all the way around. So clear zeros, I agree, across the board. Winners. All right, what do you got for heroes? Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin can't, like, in any way, shape, or form dispute that they won that. Um, Williams, I think it was a huge win for Williams, um, for Albon and Logan Sargent. Uh, I was super impressed with... um, with how they finish, how they, you know, and th- I think this is kind of part of the point of us doing this section is to take the look off of that P one who's on the podium and what's in the, what's happening in the back. And I mean, Williams did took such a leap forward. It was very impressive. Um, and then I threw it in there cause it's kind of, you can make an argument in a lot of other ways, but I had to, for the first race, Red Bull, I mean, mm-hmm. they won like, and they, they've come out, they had a dominant car last year, but towards the end of the year, you know, everyone was catching them. They looked great in testing, but we don't, you know, you never know till it's lights out and away we go and they dominate again. So I'm going to, yep. hopefully this is the only time I'm going to give them the winners and they're just kind of riding <laughs> off in the sunset, but I had to give it to them on the first one. Yeah, they earned it. All right. So for my heroes, um, a little bit of overlap. <clears throat> so I've got a little bit of overlap with you, um, but I'm going to start off by getting a little more specific with my first one. All right. right. You said you said uh uh Alonzo and Aston Martin. My hero for this is first Lance race. Stroll. Ah, <laughs> no, definitely not. But but I I and I'll tell you why. I'm saying Lawrence Stroll, right? Mm. Big Stroll. And because I couldn't pick just one, because we had Alonzo who put that car on the podium did an amazing job. We've already talked about his, his fights with um, uh, Hamilton and science and all that. And just what he did over the entire weekend, that car um, and his driving was incredible. You had Lance Stroll, who I've, I've said before is not that bad of a driver, makes no. stupid damn mistakes. And he did no. it all in this race. He's that soon bad. as the race, soon as the race started, just right into Alonzo. Stupid um, face. <laughs> and then after that he got it together and he ended up p6 he didn't do any testing in the car he had surgery two weeks ago he broke both wrists apparently broke a toe as well like this guy <laughs> like i don't know what happened what kind of bike accident this was um so he's got two broke wrists a broke toe and still is able to put that car into p6 which i don't know if it's more of saying more about the car or proving the point that he's actually a somewhat decent driver whenever he's got his head on straight. Um, it's the car. 
and the team yeah right and the team itself just everything they've done and i'm putting it all on lawrence stroll's shoulders yeah. i think that his leadership and turning this team around is the the common denominator and the biggest factor in in, in uh, aston martin's resurgence so he's my hero for the weekend still don't like his face but good for lawrence stroll good for um, I, I totally agree there i was gonna make a joke or not a, a, about mike crack again um <laughs> It's interesting, though, that it is Lawrence Stroll and not Mike Crack. Like, I don't know what jobs he as team principal is doing. Maybe he's kind of doing the admin stuff. But I I totally mm-hmm. agree with you that, like, it's kind of Lawrence. It feels like and it appears that Lawrence plays a whole lot bigger role, probably even as the principal, than mm-hmm. Mike Crack does. From the outside perspective, for sure. And it's, you know, what's funny is I didn't even know who Mike Crack was until no. yesterday. Yesterday was the first time I even heard that name. And I've been giggling ever since. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My second one, just like you, I do have Williams. You know, we've already said it. You got Albon in the points, um, Pete's in, and then you got Logan Sargent, Big Sarge, the American hero on coming in P12 um, on his Formula One debut in a Williams, and he's two spots away from the points, which is super impressive. So Williams, whatever they've done, continue doing that because, you know, we might find them as being a solid midfield team this year. Yeah. Um, And then for my last one, I do agree with you that Red Bull did amazing. uh, But my last hero for the race, and it's the first time I've ever said this about him because I'm not the biggest fan, Pierre Gasly. I think what he did in that car, which I preseason – uh testing uh podcast that we did you were saying you thought that aston or that alpine was sandbagging um it looks like they forgot to take the bags out of the car for this race (laughs) but even still gasly was able to get that car all the way from 20th up into p9 at the end of the race so i think that was super impressive gasly um for sure has impressed his team and is probably the uh hero of france right now so yep. I'll say that he's my my third hero. I didn't know Gasly and Ocon grew up 30 miles apart. Yeah, 30 miles apart. They've got a lot of history. And so one thing I was listening to, which we might have mentioned on the last one, was like their beef is like deep. Like their families apparently are beefing. It's like Romeo and Juliet level. So it's like for them which to, one's Juliet? you know, now <sighs> probably Ocon. Yeah. I would see it as Ocon. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, yeah, it's, that'll be interesting. But yeah, all the commentators, everyone's like, we can't wait to see this one boil over. Oh, everybody's waiting for it. It's yeah. it's gonna explode at some point. We just need Gasly and to get as... away from the penalties. Uh, yes, exactly. On the points, like the penalty points on his driver's license. Yep, because you know, two more points and he's sitting out a race. Yep. So, man, all what right. a first so, race! Hell it was yeah. awesome. We have Jeddah in Saudi Arabia next, which is a totally different track. We're going to do a whole other podcast on what our predictions, forecasts, and thoughts are for the for that race. But I'm excited. Saudi Arabia is a totally different kind of track than Bahrain is. Mm-hmm. Um, we have to wait two weeks, though. Two weeks. I, and that's the way it is. I think we got spoiled by, what was that, 2020 and 2021, where you'd have like triple headers because yes. they had to reshuffle the schedule so much. And now it's like two weeks is such a long time, but yeah. we just got off of a hundred and some day break. They could have at least done a doubleheader at the beginning of the season. Right. 
I don't know. I think everyone in the back, McLaren and Haas, they're like, oh, thank God. We have two weeks to sort (laughs) this thing out. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, yep, that was fun. So, again, two weeks. We'll do a predictions for the the race, and then we'll do a race recap, of course, afterwards. Um, I think uh, this is probably pretty much it. You got anything else, Dylan? No, I think we hit it, man. Just awesome first race. Lots it leaves a lot on the table for what's going to happen. Hell yes. Cool. So, uh, if you're listening on audio, please go and give us a review and make sure and follow the podcast. And if this is on uh, YouTube, uh, give us a like and subscribe and make sure you share us with a friend. And on that note, stay classy America. See you next time.